0: Hey everyone, it's Ali. And I'm be And today we have a special guest named Waheed Josie. Uh, Waheed, I would say, is a pretty cool guy. Uh, so I would say is a serial entrepreneur. He definitely is a serial entrepreneur and a serial advisor. And I think he also studies an investor, which is crazy. Quite interesting, actually. A lot of good startups,
1: insights, um, just all around it, I would say.
0: Yeah, a lot to learn from the startup. So without further ado, let's just go into it. Let's get on. Great to have you uh, chatting with us. So let's start with a little bit about about your background what um, what got you here
1: right um, so my journey is pretty pretty atypical. Um, my father uh, was a diplomat and we traveled everywhere lived in like 16, 20 countries by the time I was 16 and we moved to Ottawa on a diplomatic mission. And to be honest, my dad was just not giving me enough pocket money. So I'm 16. I'm in university. Most of my friends and classmates are like two, three years older than me. I have no idea how to do this. And throughout time, you know, you get you get a feel for what your dad would do and wouldn't do. And I did not think me getting an extra $50 per week was in the cards. So I... Uh, Started university, basically started auditing courses when we, when we got in and realized this very specific niche, that there was a niche of women's clothing in Ottawa. And well, Ottawa, I don't know if you guys know Ottawa that well. It's the capital of Canada, but it's one of the most boring places in the world. I'd probably get shot for this. <laughs> um, and the, uh, the best thing about Ottawa is that it's close to Montreal. So we were in Montreal all the time. So we, after making some friends in the first uh, couple of months, I realized that there's a classification of clothing for women that is missing from stores. This was for more of like the ethnic Muslim population that uh, wanted to keep their faiths, but they didn't want to dress either super old school or super Western. So this is the context at the time. So to summarize, we started importing me and my friend we started importing clothing from malaysia basically that was the previous diplomatic posting we were in into canada and selling it to stores Whoa! so so this is before i started engineering a few months after we uh we arrived in ottawa and i just i just wanted money like there there wasn't a trigger or a profound switch to be like you know what i would like to be an entrepreneur there's not none of that just say hey, i needed some cash because i wanted to buy fries and go out with my friends and i don't know just hang out so we started the business <laughs> that was the first thing um that's what i'm saying it's atypical most of my friends give it a lot of deliberate deliberation and thought and everything uh then i started engineering and i, I always had computers and i always screwed around with computers and broke them and somehow I had no idea how I fixed them sometimes, but I never really wrote software. I never really understood that I can make something and this can stay in the digital realm, much like how blockchain is right now, that you could do anything around blockchain and crypto. And it's within the blockchain and crypto ecosystem. Software was very confined to the software ecosystem and it wasn't that large. But at that point I saw it. I loved it. It was amazing. My, it expanded my mind in orders of magnitude of what it was at the time. So started thinking about what what could uh, what could be solved. So there's a few other things we did that weren't all that um, all that noteworthy. Um, and then when I say we, I had different partners for different things. It was never a consistent set of people that went at stuff. Um, but when I was 18, my parents had left Ottawa. I was living alone, and since then I've lived alone in canada and we me and a bunch of my friends were really obsessed with this one designer brand called energy so just take a step back and just think about how i was in engineering and how do engineering students look like and how much i did not fit in (laughs) and that that honestly did not bother me i i just loved i loved clothing i still love clothing so we loved this one Designer brand that basically one of the guys was super obsessed with, and he got us obsessed. It was three of us, and we started buying these articles of clothing from eBay. Because we are students, we didn't have like seven thousand dollars for a jacket. That is not what a student should pay for. That's more than a tuition per semester.
0: Or you you left the clothing partners, and you're like onto a different venture, but in the same.
1: Oh industry yeah. <laughs> so I've done forty odd projects. I think it's forty-five wow. or forty-seven. And to caveat that, well, what, I have ADHD and I have OCD at the same time. So I'm extremely hyperactive and I try new things all the time. I can't sit still. Everything's shiny and I'll jump to it. So my level of activity is also higher than normal. So just just a question around the partners that you had. How yeah. did you meet them? So at that time, there was, that was haphazard. That was random. That was random. It just there was really no exact pattern to it. So we just uh hung out you're like, oh you look cool, let's hang out more. And then we grab a coffee and you know, you go uh you go hit the town and you're like, you know, you're you're pretty dope. Let's do something else together. And then you talk about business. They're like, oh holy crap, this guy understands business. You start throwing ideas around and something sticks. It's completely serendipitous. But that that attitude of mine when I was a teenager changed twice. So it's been like three schools of thought for myself. The first one was random. I had no idea what I was doing and things happened and some companies sold and some companies didn't and just cash meet fire and a bunch of times. And then I moved to Toronto about a decade ago. And at that point, I was like, okay, uh, a very smart mentor of mine told me that I'm always really ambitious. I always want to do things. I always want to lead things. Um, I always want to take care of people. But he told me that in order to lead, I need to learn how to follow. And that was something I never did. So I always had jobs. Oh, that's, that's a very powerful statement. It it was it changed my life. It actually changed my life. And even when I sold uh, that uh, fashion company with the guys that we had, uh, we ended up selling it. It was also a super random occurrence. And even when I sold that, I was a 19-year-old with more cash than I knew what to do with. I still got a job. I still accepted a job I was still in school too I dropped out of engineering I got a job as a database administrator at a local company called Pythian which taught me so much at the time and I still wanted to do something, I still wanted to learn a new skill and at that time my ego would engulf the solar system I I thought anything I touched turns to gold so still trying to I still try to keep a little bit of humility. It's so much humble by sense. <laughs> that That's not even the case anymore, I hope.
0: If I was one of the co-founders and you approached me and within like three months, six months, I realized that you were somebody who was a fanatic about different ideas, how would you convince me to stay? Because I'd be like, hey, this this person who's in charge here is not able to commit to one thing. He wants to do 10 things, 20 things. Right. How do you convince co-founder to be like no i'm i believe in vision a or vision b or whatever that vision is
1: so you just asked me a bunch of questions that are that are packaged in the form of one so um i just talked about mental health and founders at Startup fest actually last week um i'm an avid Startup fest fan and i've gone to all of them except for one and i was in the country that year it's a character trait it's not an illness it's not a disorder it's a character trait um majority like a significant majority of the time it's just misused it's mismanaged so you have to see it as something that like any other characteristic has a double-edged sword so that's one piece mm-hmm. the yeah. second piece is if you meet someone regardless of what they have or what they don't have if you don't drive with them leave don't try it's like a relationship don't try to make a relationship work if it's not working don't try to stick with a partner or a business partner. doesn't matter. Just don't stick. There's no point in sitting there and spending most of your energy in working this ill-defined system and ignoring the goal of this system. Let, let's just focus on ADHD because OCD is harder to define. ADHD is pretty well known. ADHD doesn't mean you can't focus. ADHD just means that you get bored very fast. So... I, the 40 odd projects that I did, I defined a framework, a three month framework of, okay, here's an idea. There's always a symbiotic relationship with the partners that you have with the idea. So it's like a three-way relationship. You can't just like take out a co-founder, put another one with the same idea. It changes the idea. So at that point, You define what you need to do within three months, what does success look like, what does failure look like, what is partial success, partial failure, what's the cost of an action? It's a a little framework that I created for myself. And I was able to execute two separate projects in parallel within every three months. And some of them worked. Mm -hmm. About seven, eight of them became proper companies. And uh, less than a handful of them actually exited. So... Having ADHD didn't mean I couldn't focus, it just meant that I probably overwhelmed everyone. And I I do know that I do. I overwhelm everyone with how much energy I have. And if my energy is not spent, I'll have depressive episodes. So these are are character traits. If you see that you can handle someone with these character traits, bounce. There's more stuff, there's an abundance of opportunities that you can jump on And here's another one. Whether the thing you're working on is shit or is amazing, it takes the same amount of effort. So the framework that you've mentioned, um, I guess it's something that you've stuck by, used every business. I mean, how how has it actually really helped you? And also, has it been something that you've shared with other founders or is it something for you? Um, You mean my learnings, right? Oh, your learnings. Yeah. Yeah. Classes that way, your learnings. Yeah. So I am a, I'm a huge fan of living life by principles. And there's a, I actually forgot who said this, but I I should write it on my wall. Um, strong opinions, loosely held. So Mm -hmm. I think people should live by principles and hold on to them super, super tightly. But if you are faced with a situation that questions that opinion that proves the opposite, you should drop it right away. So strong opinions loosely held. This, like these principles, like Ray Dalio has a book called Principles, which is just a goldmine. It's a brilliant book. And at the same time, wisdom are these principles. The wisdom of the ages, whether it comes from religion, comes from culture, comes from whatever, these are all, things that are and they're not they're not facts they're mainly heuristics they're not complete uh, boolean you should live your life by these now that's one side you are as successful as some mathematical function of the people around you so if you want to some say average some say mean doesn't matter some some function so if you want to actually be successful if you're ambitious and you want to make sure that you get to somewhere and you become quote-unquote old money when you're old, you need to make sure the people around you are also successful. Now, whether your ambition is in arts, your ambition is in business, your ambition is in learning, doesn't matter what your ambition is. Ambition is a free-form kind of a, a journey. You need to make sure people around you are doing better. You want to progress, and you want people around you to progress. Now, sometimes they don't progress. Sometimes they actually add negativity to your life, and that's a choice of yours, whether to drop that person or keep that person. But if you don't try to provide what you learn to other people, they're also not going to provide what they learn to you. So I think as, I don't I don't know what to call it, a good citizen, a good actor, I don't want to call it an entrepreneur, as a good actor, you should be sharing and you should expect people to share. Like very, very confidently expect it. If no one's adding something to you, deprioritize that person. Does that answer your question? Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah it, it, it does. But then it leads me to another set of questions. Go for it. Yeah, and it's a rough is number. Is there, is there one big goal that you're aiming towards or is there a set of small goals that you really want to accomplish? And how much does does money play into that as as an end goal?
1: Okay. I like that question. That's actually multiple questions again. So that massive number of projects that I did, that was until about eight years ago. Since then, I started only two companies. One of them failed and one of them sold. As you get more experienced, I don't want to say older, because experience isn't... Experience uh, experience isn't what you did through time, it's how intense the experience was at any given time. Somebody that worked mm-hmm. for two years might be more experienced than you that have done 10 years. So because of that intensity, I don't take as many, as many shots right now, but the shots I do take, I'm way more confident about them. I do way more research. I check with my network. Um, so I do a lot more uh, risk analysis before I jump into it and the older you get now this is not experience it's just age the older you get you learn that the impatience you had when you were younger was always a deterrent to your success so maybe if i if my 3 month framework was 6 months some of those projects would actually be more successful than they were so this is always something that i always question myself so because of that having small goals that are for quick payout, you will always be a quick payout person. You will always just be a hustler. And that person might be successful within you know, a short period and get uh, some tiny returns on tiny bits of investment. But if you actually want to do something that would make an impact on your life, on somebody else's life, on the global life, whatever, you need to understand the power of compounding and the power of exponential returns. So you can have tiny goals. You can break a massive goal into smaller steps and smaller goals and that's that's exactly the right way to go. But if you for example, if somebody comes to me with a with a pitch deck and pitches a beautiful company, it's just just gorgeous, just everything about it is top notch. And I ask them where where do you see this Going in five to ten years, Jordi Rose, the founder of D-Wave, and I forgot his last company. Just uh, he only does super amazing things. It's crazy. He in a in a lecture we were in talked about science fiction So you want to think about mm-hmm. the thing you're working on in a sci-fi world. What could it manifest in? Like just go nuts. Like everything's open. Everything's possible how could this change the world what could you get if this if you were a science fiction writer in the context of your company if you can't answer that your goal is too small so i would not write you a check i will not ask my friends to write you a check but if this thing was massive was huge was changing and if it had slow compounding if it just had something that i could see what the 5-10 years would look like, and I see that you see what the next 5-10 years would look like, that is that is a goal worth devoting a piece of your life to.
0: What is that goal right now
1: for you? Oh, right now? <laughs> so my goal for, for the past, I think, 6 years since I defined it was trying to understand what makes people perform different actions that they're not aware of so
0: okay
1: this is it's a philosophical pursuit so i really want to understand that if i dress differently if i talk differently if i use my hands if i my facial expressions change how would that affect on how you feel how that affect on how you express yourself and how would that affect on how you decide so that's just me as a universe of a person now imagine all the stimuli that you are exposed to throughout your life throughout your day how would those affect you in making different decisions and having different thoughts now mm-hmm. because of a high stimulus world that we're in nobody really understands what baseline quote unquote is because we don't know what the base was we never really experienced it enough to have a scientific method uh, methodical scientifically methodical view of it to be like this is control group this thing changed, so this is the difference. We don't have that. We can't see that. So, my pursuit now is to figure out how does this system work? Now, this is a double edged sword. This could be absolute use for evil. How can I get people to do things that are wrong that would benefit me? Or how can I do things? How can I get people to do things that would benefit the masses? It's a win win situation, it's not a zero sum game, and high tides raise all ships as a result. That's my pursuit right now. What? So you you you're currently an advisor on a few yeah <laughs> startups or something? You're working with few. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. How was that? Then How was to it? be super frank. I'm. I'm at this point evaluating a few opportunities at the same time. Uh, some some are on the institutional investor investment side. Some are on actual product development, and. Um, by the way, just, just before I say the third one, most times the reason a company fails is because of the team. It's about like 80% of the time. It's not market didn't react to us. We were too early. Oh, we couldn't get all oh, that bullshit. No, no. It's just you and you and your people could not get, keep your shit together. That is 80% of the reason why. 80% of times why your company fails. So I started a company around um, video generation, so AI for video yeah. generation basically looks at the main narrative and looks at how people are reacting to it, creates supporting narrative, parallel stories of the main story, and your content funnel will always be full. So your, the campaigns that you run will always have fresh content that are still related to the main narrative of your campaign or of your vision or of whatever, uh, whatever however you defined what you do. And this is kind of a white space in the market. I don't mind people knowing about this. Ideas are worth nothing. If somebody gets to do this, I will invest in them. Um, I I had this company. We had if quite a few customers, and myself and my co-founder could not see eye to eye. Mainly, it wasn't it wasn't a conflict. It was just that something changed in his family structure, and he needed a friend more than a partner. So. That company went on ice and at any given time I could either spin it up or I would love to see somebody do it and I will devote my resources to them because I think this should, this should exist. So what I'm splitting my time on right now is evaluating opportunities. I have a bunch of investments that I'm very close to the founders and I help them with their problems Um, and uh, seeing where, AI could take content generation. In the past about decade, I've I've been directly or indirectly working on AI systems, and I'm a huge proponent of it.
0: A lot of so so a lot of the ideas I've had, and I'm sure Uquila, you can relate to this too, is yeah. is very much like if I do this right, next year I will make X amount of money, or if I can just kick this off, I will get somebody to buy me, and then I can work for a company, else. right, and. And, and, it, and it seems it seems very logical, and I'll spend a couple months doing it. And then after, let's say, three months, I'll realize this is not working right. out. Granted, I'd benefit from taking some time to actually think about what partial and full success looks like. But I've started to realize that that is not a good way to build businesses or even build projects. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you decide to have a certain amount of patience? How do you, how do you build that patience? And then maybe how do you... Um, expend the amount of time or how do you decide the right amount of time for each project
1: okay so let me let me ant- attack this question from a bunch of different angles um, eisenhower says plans are nothing but planning is everything so what this means mm-hmm. is you have to sit down and plan and project and build roadmaps, maps and the, think about possibilities and mitigate risk and downside protect and all that good stuff but once you get an actual mm-hmm. execution, none of that matters. You have to be agile. You have to be quick in, on your feet and figure out what the right uh, right way is and never really stick to a plan just for the sake of sticking to a plan. This mm-hmm. is why startups are quicker and old corporations are slower. It's not because of people. It's not mm-hmm. because of anything else. They just have plans. That builds confirmation biases in the heads of the executives, and it's very tough to shake that off. So, you having plans about a project and looking at where it could go is brilliant. You should do this. You should always do this. If you don't do it, and you come, you go to someone who's learned and pitch your pitch your project, they can poke endless holes in it. And probably by the fifth hole that they they poke, that you can't answer, they they lose interest. So that's one part. Second part is, if you ever start a project for the sake of getting getting it acquired and working at that company, dude, your goal is to work at that company. Your work is not a project. Why don't you just go apply? Why don't you just go manipulate everything, meet the right people, talk to them, and create leverage and actually land a job? Like Define the goal. The goal should never be for me to land at this spot that is not the thing that is not the same spot as I'm going to be um a different way of of wording that is if you set up a company right away like at, at the at the inception point that is basically an acquisition target for a bigger company most of the times you fail unless you have insider information you have asymmetrical information with uh, compared to the rest of the market you will fail so that is the wrong way to go about it. Um, it's always it's always best to, we can un- unpack this and talk about this for hours, but you should always pursue something that is a problem somebody with money is willing to pay for. It's really that simple. And who knows who would buy? Like the last company I sold was sold to a private equity firm. I had no idea they bought shit like that. It was an AI company for ad targeting, and we were getting millions of impressions a month. I have no idea what the private equity firm wanted it for. Well, I kind of have an idea, but they never thought that 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 would be the case. Eh, what it was. Yeah. The the <laughs> third one is around patience that you mentioned. So patience is something that by every school of wisdom that you look at is seen as a virtue as seen as something that you should do. The state you're in that doesn't allow you to act rational or virtuous is always a state where you are spiraling on something, like a negative spiral, or you are super stressed and you can't see things as clearly as they are and you're in tunnel vision. Basically, a not so comfortable state. For you to make sure you get back to that state that you think you should be in, you need to be healthy. Now, health is three parts. Health is physical, we all know how that is. Health is mental, we also have a pretty good idea what mental health is, and health is social. This is the part most people miss. This is why in our industry, we talk about network all the time. Every time I'm, I feel like I'm going down a path And I'm freaking out, and trust me, I have panic attacks every few days. It's not about I'm super calm. No, I meditate daily, and I still have massive demons that I deal with on a daily basis. Whenever you get in a state that you feel like you're not right, or you're getting to a state that is unstable, and you feel like you need to share it with someone, or you need a second, second set of eyes, or it's just despair. You're in a massive state of despair you need to call someone you need to ask somebody for a second opinion if you don't have those people you are not socially healthy but if you are you get constantly reminded that patience is the uh, is the plan of action for you not pushing harder at this given second and the, the other thing is those people that you rely on will actually rely on you as well because they need reminders constantly on what they should do. So it's not that I'm a patient person and you're not. It's just that you need to create these structures around yourself to remind you of what to do and what not to do. And that changes over time too.